Welcome, children of God, to my 50th episode of the downfall of the church, which is also my last episode in this vineyard. Let me read you a few passages from the book of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. It reads this way. One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh. But the earth abideth forever. The sun also arises, and the sun goeth down, and hastens to his place where he arose. The wind goes toward the south, and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circus. I like that. Listen to this, verse number 7. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is still not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither or thither they returneth again. Let me read this again. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes 3, just one page over. To everything, there is a season, a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. Yes, a time to weep and a time to laugh. <laughs> A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Children of God, let's talk. There will be, hopefully, a part one, two, and three in 30 minutes segments. In Second Chronicles chapter 7, 
verse 14. God laid out the conditions for healing the land. You all remember that. And those conditions consisted first of being his. Remember he says, if my people, which are called by my name, which signifies that you had to be his in order to be able to fulfill these conditions for the healing of this land. Now, I want you to hold on to it. And the reason I'm going to stress that little part in particular, because so many times we'll say to the unbeliever, we'll say to the unsaved, you need to just pray. Why don't you just pray about it? Why don't you pray about healing the land? Why don't you pray about what's going on in your house? For the Bible clearly says that he will not hear the prayers of a sinner. So, the conditions, the very first condition for healing the land is you must be his. You've got to be his people, his child, his beloved, his saved. So I'm stressing that because, hey guys, we're almost out. We're almost back out into the harvest, that great big spiritual harvest again. So you cannot go back out there just telling everybody, just pray about it. All you have to do is just pray. No, you got to find out, are you saved? Have you made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior? Have you invited him into your heart? Has he taken up residence in you? So he gave us in 2 Chronicles 7.14, he gave us the conditions for healing the land. He said, first of all, you got to be mine. And then he said, you got to humble yourselves. And then he went on to talk about, you got to pray. Then he said, you got to seek my face. He said, then you got to turn from your wicked ways. He laid those conditions out. Those were the parameters. Those were the guidelines. Well, we didn't do that. He also said... Back in Proverbs, he said, if you don't do these things, if you don't do what I ask you to do, then I'm going to laugh at your calamity. He said, when your calamity comes as a whirlwind, well, didn't he do that? He did just that. He says, Proverbs 1, 24 through 28, I'm going to read. I think I'll probably read verse 31 and 33. But even if I don't read it, let me give you these verses. In the the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, I'm encouraging you to begin to read. You do this for yourself. Begin to read at verse number 24 
and continue on down to verse number 33. Even if you have to take a, uh, a break and digest it, do read it. God is true to his word. He's not a man that he should lie. But what it just says, in short, he says, you didn't pray in order to heal the land. And you didn't pray accordingly. You didn't pray to my satisfaction. Your behavior was not that to my satisfaction. I didn't like how you did it. Don't you love how God is so sorry? He said, I don't like it. And I don't have to take it. But anyway, verse 24 says, Because I have called and you have refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But you have set at naught all of my counsel and would none of my reproof. You didn't do anything I asked you to do. Now, here's, here's, here's the kicker right here. Verse number 26. And I'm going to take my time because remember I said, this is my 50th episode and my last episode. So I'm going to ask you to bear with me. That's why I'm going to break it up into three segments. I'm going to ask you to bear with my voice. Just for this last time. Because you didn't do those things, I put my hand out there for you. I said, grab it. Get it. Grab a hold to it. Hold on for dear life. Even if you can't hold on, let me hold on to you. But you didn't do it. So he said, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. Children of God, let us purpose in our hearts. After coming off of this crisis right here, let us never put ourselves in a situation where God has to laugh at us. Purpose in your heart that that won't happen in my home. That won't happen in my church. That won't happen in my personal life. Where he will be so angry with me that he laughs at me. He said, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh on you as desolation. And your destruction cometh on you as a whirlwind. I'm adding on you. That's me adding that. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you. Are we in a whirlwind? It's not, a, it's not whirling as, as, as the way it was at first. But weren't we in that thing? Weren't we spinning like a spinning top? Were we not? He said, 
while I'm in this state right here with you, mocking and laughing and watching you, he said, then you shall call upon me, but I will not answer. Then you shall seek me early. Now you can get up early. Now you can get up and start praying at five. Now you can get up and start praying at four. Now you can pray again at noontime. Now you can pray again at five. Ah, my mama, hmm. Glory, Jesus. He said, why did it take that? Ask yourself. Get up and just go stand and look in the mirror and look at yourself and say, God, why did I make you do all of that just to get me to pray? Why did I push you to that degree for me to pray at 5 o'clock, for me to pray at noon, then for me to turn around again and pray at 7, and then have a late-night prayer, a midnight snack? Why did I make you push? Why did I push you to that degree? God, I promise. I promise. When I come out of this, now remember there's a scripture that says it's better to not make a vow than to make a vow and not be able to keep it. So if you still shaky, if you still a little shaky now, don't make that promise. Don't say, God, I promise you, I'll never do it again. Just say, by the grace of God. (laughs) Tell him, by the grace of God. Don't let me do that again. By the grace of God. Because he's saying, Then shall you call upon me, and I will not answer. You shall seek me early, but you will not find me. He said, For they that hated, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose. I like that word. We say you had a choice, but you chose not the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel and despise all of my reproach. Therefore, shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. But then jump down to 33. This is good for you. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Children of God, allow him this time to take up residence. Don't evict him. Don't sublet him. Don't make him a part-time lover. Allow him to enter in, to dwell safely, so that you can be quiet from the fear of evil. Evil is still out there now. Evil is still seeking a home. Remember that old adversary, the devil, is going up and down to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. But he's only going to be able to devour those that are not sober, those that are not vigilant. 
those that have not submitted themselves to the Lord. Write this scripture down as well. Isaiah 24.1 Behold, children of the Most High God, He maketh the earth empty and maketh it waste and turneth it upside down and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Wow. Are you saying wow right now? This says, he maketh the earth empty. Did he almost empty us out? How do you feel about that right now? What are you thinking? I'm endeavoring to go as slowly and speak as clearly, as distinctly as I possibly can because you're not going to hear my voice in this way again. So I want you to remember, he almost emptied out the earth. We're still here, but look at how empty it got. Look how empty the streets were. Look how empty the parks were. Many towns look like a place of desolation, a waste, howling desert. You saw them. Everything was shut down. Isaiah 24 1, read it when you get a chance. It said, And he maketh it waste and turneth it upside down. Highlight that. Highlight two things. He maketh the earth empty. Now here's here's the thing. He didn't make it totally empty this time. But this signifies that there will be a time because of our disobedience that it will be empty. When the flood came, didn't he empty it out? Sodom and Gomorrah, didn't he empty it out? He turned it upside down and scattered it abroad, the inhabitants. I'm thinking about all the bodies how they were just stacked up on top of each other, everywhere. Again, again, children of God, I want you to come to yourself right now. And I want you to look in that mirror and say, God, don't let me make you do that again. Don't deal with your neighbor. Don't deal with what your neighbor did. Don't deal with what your parents did. Deal with what you did. God, don't let me. Don't say them. Kill the them. them. Stop, Stop saying them. 
Because we can't get healed. We can't get delivered. Because we always call it, we're talking about the them. You. Me. God, don't let me make you do that again. Don't let me make you turn it upside down again. Tell him, God, I don't like upside down. I couldn't breathe upside down. And if you really meant it, you would say, please, Jesus. Listen, not one person went untouched. His displeasure was divinely manifested universally. We were all scared equally. We were all locked in equally. We were all locked in without a cure equally. Loved ones were dying alone equally across the board. We all felt the effects one way or another. And yet... That was not the conclusion of the whole matter. He still sent watchmen to his people. Watchmen using various forms of media to sound the alarm, giving you instructions as to what your posture should be during this time of his wrath. And he cautioned us that we did not hear the sound of the trumpet and we refused to cry loud. First of all, he gave a caution to the trumpeteers. He said, I have given you a command. Who, who, who were the trumpeteers? Those who he gave his word to. Those who he charged to be able to study to show themselves approved. Now, I need, need you to listen to this. Everybody was not a trumpeteer. Everybody was not supposed to sound the alarm. So if you were out there sounding the alarm and God had not called you to sound the alarm, you were out of order. And if you did not humbly sneak back in and ask God to fix you from being out of order, from picking up the trumpet to sound an alarm, when that was not your calling, that was not your gift, that was not your vocation. He gave certain people the charge. I I, I feel God. I mean, I feel the anointing. He gave certain people a charge. Place an anointed on them to charge, to sound. Gave them the right sound. Glory be to God. He says, I need you to sound the alarm. I need you to sound the alarm. Preachers, I need you using that delivery 
that I anointed you with to sound the alarm. Pastors, I need you with that gift to rightly divide my word, with that gift, with that desire to actually sit down and study. I have approved you because I saw you study. I approve you because I saw you pouring through those scriptures. I saw you praying for an understanding. I saw you praying for Mama Siandorbosha. I saw you praying for more revelation so that you could rightly divide the word of truth to my people. So I gave a charge to you to sound the alarm, to warn the people. that Proverbs 1 was on its way. The calamity was on its way. I told you to warn them about what it would take to heal the land. Prophets, I gave you a charge. Evangelists, I gave you a charge. I knew who I gave the charge to. Hallelujah, Jesus. And I hear God saying, I didn't give the charge to a novice. I didn't put the trumpet in a novice's hand. Novice means you're a babe. You have not studied the word. You do not know how to handle the word. You do not know how to rightly divide the word. I've not called you to be, I hear you, God. I have not called you to be my front runner for this job right here. So what he said was, he said, tell them that I sent watchmen to use various forms of media to sound the alarm, to give the people instruction as to what their posture should be during this time of his wrath. And we heard him caution us that if we did not sound the trumpet, if we refused to cry loud and spare not, If we refuse to boldly say to the people, be still and know that he is God. If we refuse, the blood would surely be on our hands. But then he says, but if you obeyed and did as I told you and sounded the trumpet, then surely the blood will not be on your hand. If you obeyed and sounded the trumpet as I told you to and didn't get intimidated by the people, but you stood flat foot and sounded that alarm, and said what I said. 
if they refuse to obey? Because they say, you can't tell me anything. If they refuse to obey because they got tired of hearing you, they got tired of hearing the instruction, then the blood was going to be required at their hand, not at your hand. And because the blood would be found on their hand, they would suffer the consequences. As a storyteller, I was given a charge. I had an alarm to sound. The alarm that I sounded was this. Came to you in various podcast segments. Allow the Lord to create in you a clean heart. Reminding you that the Lord said, I see you, said the Lord. I told you to ask your own self whether God could trust you or not. I told you to fix the problem before the problem becomes a sin. Those are the things that I shouted out to you, that I blasted out to you. I petition you to ask yourself whether or not you made God mad. I gave you an opportunity to ask God if he was mad because you broke his commandments. Then, in the midst of the calamity, I gave some additional instructions to prepare you for coming out of that whirling, head-spinning, mind-boggling calamity. I ever so gently beseech you to examine how you were spending your time during this season. That was so you could look at yourself. That was to prepare you to come out. I asked the question, what does God see when he looks at you? That was me sounding the alarm that he gave to me. And when I said to you, ask God, what does he see you? You were supposed to take that personally. And then I said to you, ask yourself, what does God owe me? That was just so that when you got back out there, you would not go back out with a feeling, a feeling of superiority, a feeling of entitlement. That was why I posed that question to you. Did you get it? Did you hearken to the, to the trumpet? Did you hearken to those alarms? Those were alerts. Those were warnings to you. Then the last thing I did was give you a little story about a glimpse of what God showed to me about you. That was not my personal story. I pray that you didn't misunderstand it and think I was talking about me. That was not about me. It was about what God showed me about your thoughts. What he showed me about your thoughts 
about your family, about your God during this season. Now it's time to get back to the harvest. Children, precious children of God, we're almost there. We're almost out the door. If you're going back out the same way you were when he set you down, when he thrust you down, then shame, shame, shame on you. As for me, I am so ready to begin my new journey. I've got on my traveling shoes and I'm prepared for the next phase of my journey. Listen, guys, I gave you everything that he revealed to me about you. Everything that he revealed to me about the new harvest that awaits you. I gave it all to you. I didn't hold anything back. Your father, your Lord and your savior is expecting you to be the light. When you get back out there into that spiritual harvest, he's expecting you to be the light. A light that shines bright. Leading people straight to him. Not to you this time, but to him. In closing, sweet children, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. You've got to get up off of your seat of do nothing and do something this time. You can't be a, pre- a pretender. You can't be a pretense evangelist. you got to get up and get out. Get up and get out and work for real. Can he not trust you to go back into the harvest and gather his people up for the kingdom? Can he? Stay tuned later on for part two. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your time. God bless you real good. And before I say I am the storyteller, I have to ask you again, can he trust you to gather his people up without murmuring, without complaining, without judging them, and without condemning them? Hmm? I am the storyteller. I'll be back.